欢迎回到汉语蓝图的播客。Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins. Today's podcast has a number of great questions that came in from the community、uh, on the course in the Mandarin Blueprint community forums by email. All these different ways that you can contact us to talk about questions you have around the course or just general Chinese learning questions. So before we get into today's content, I thought I would talk a little bit about some updates that have come up this week. Not too much to say compared to last week. Last week was the big announcement that our course expansion、uh, came out. The first six levels of the、uh, upcoming twenty new levels, and、uh, we've made some more progress on the remaining twenty levels, but still not. Uh, updated in the actual course course platform, but no problem. Those six levels have 419 lessons.、So、that should keep you busy, assuming you're already at level 37. And、uh, if you have any other questions about the expansion, please feel free to let us know. And we'll get right into this week's questions. So the first three questions from the podcast this week are related to the Mandarin Blueprint Community Forum. So if you are on the Mandarin Blueprint course, whether you're on the Pronunciation Mastery, even the free trial, and of course the Mandarin Blueprint Method course, there is a community forum there. People introduce themselves. They'll ask questions for the podcast. They'll have questions about anything they're uncertain about, and it's great because we have a few.、Uh, Members in the course who are just so fantastic that sometimes before I even realize that somebody has made a post or maybe they made a post while I was sleeping, somebody has already given a full response to their question and you know helped them troubleshoot something that was a problem. And so that was kind of it's just awesome that we have that. And、uh, actually, one of the questions that came in a lot this week in the community and in the actual course was what to do about Microsoft Edge. Uh, because Microsoft Edge is the pl-、uh, platform that you can use, or the, I guess it's a web browser, but it was the software that you could use for a PC or Windows to look at our EPUBs.、Uh, so these are the files that have the audio versions of our stories, of our pronunciation courses, so that you can just have on a document an actual little play button that will play for you what's on the screen. So it's a very useful type of file, but For Mac users, it's simple. You just use iBooks, and、uh, same thing for if you have an iPhone, you can just use the native iBooks app. But for some reason,、uh, we've had a lot of trouble with the PC versions of this. So many different EPUB readers, the free ones, they weren't reading our EPUB files properly. So we asked our development team to、uh, help us a bit with this, and so they've come up with a few solutions. So one is that apparently there's a version of Edge. That was previously called Microsoft Edge, like kind of Internet Explorer,、uh, the the newer version of Internet Explorer, which there's some version of it that they've stopped using, but now there's one called Windows Edge. I don't know what it is with Microsoft and their branding, but there's one called Windows Edge that apparently still works. And there's also, let's see here, ofoct.com. I'll put the links for these all in the show notes, but.、Uh, Ofoct.com/viewer/epubreaderonline. That seems to work、uh, to play the audio. Also, fviewer.com/viewepub is also working. So, hopefully, those three solutions—the Windows Edge version, the ofoct.com, and the fviewer.com—should work. Hopefully, <laughs> I want you guys to be able to read these epubs because they're very helpful. If you are able to see what you're reading. And listen to the audio at the same time. That's what's called interleaved learning, and that's very useful. When you get a chance to 
to read and listen at the same time, it can help encourage you to read faster. Because at the beginning, you're not as quick with the reading. And so you can't even read as fast as somebody speaks. Now, later, you'll be able to read faster than somebody speaks. But at the beginning, it's quite slow going. But when you're listening and reading, it can kind of give you a boost to your speed. So that's always nice. Now, let's uh, go into some less boring technical stuff and into some questions and comments that came in from the community. Question number one slash, this is more of a, a comment really from Gregory Pateral. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He says, hello guys, I'm Greg. I'm from Mauritius Island, but have been living in Macau for five years already and only started learning Mandarin about 10 months ago with Mandarin Blueprint. Uh, I have a few friends here from Mauritius. If you don't know Mauritius, it's a small island off the coast of southeastern Africa. It's sort of near, somewhat near Madagascar. It's, you know, it's kind of in the Indian Ocean. And uh, he says here, I never really tried before as there is this cliche that's very difficult to learn Chinese and learning new language has never been my thing. But I must say, thanks to Mandarin Blueprint, I'm learning very fast and it's lots of fun. That's the, I, you know, fast is fast, but you know, fun is the main thing. You gotta have the journey be good. So that's, that's wonderful to hear. Uh, so let's see here. Many of my uh, Chinese colleagues think that I have a private teacher, but I don't. And some don't believe uh, don't believe it, and it makes me a little proud. So that's great. Anyway, I'm still a newbie, but slowly and surely getting better. Once again, great job, guys. Mandarin Blueprint deserves much more attention. Well, thanks so much, Gregory. And, you know, as I said before, the fun thing is the key. As long as you're having fun with it, then you're going to have fun the whole time. Like, the only thing that matters really is the journey. I mean, sure, your journey unlocks abilities. So it's kind of, you imagine, like a video game of learning Mandarin. It goes like a, you, know, you unlock these certain capabilities as you go, oh, I can have a WeChat conversation. Oh, I can book my band for a performance of some achievement I unlocked. Uh, I can read a newspaper article or whatever. But those little achievements, they'll give you a sh like a dopamine hit or whatever, but ultimately they're fleeting. They don't last forever when it comes to the uh, emotional response you get. But if you're enjoying the journey as it is, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether or not the dopamine hit is fleeting, you're just going to have a good time, uh, you know, with the actual journey itself. So that's wonderful to hear. Whenever I hear somebody say that they're having fun, I'm like, yes, that's, that's what's, that's what's up. And then, um, also just the attitude's great here because of course it does feel good. It is a pride fil uh, filled thing when somebody can't even believe that you've come up with a good, uh, method for learning that didn't even require a tutor. And that's something that, you know, I'm, makes me proud too. I'm glad that you're uh, finding so much benefit out of Mandarin Blueprint that you don't even need a, a tutor to feel like you're making lots of progress and for your colleagues to be impressed. So that's fantastic. And uh, I too think that Mandarin Blueprint deserves some more attention. We'll see if that continues to happen as time goes on. But hey, our attention levels have gone up ever since we released the course last January. So I think we're on the right path. Now, and also, if you'd like to see that original post, I'm going to link these posts in the actual uh, uh, podcast show notes. All right, next. Also from the Mandarin Blooper community, we have a, a, a comment from Fred Snyder. And uh, we'll get into this, and then I'll show you a link that's going to answer Greg's question even better than I can in the podcast. So, sorry, I said Greg again. Fred. Fred Snyder. Hi, guys. I'm truly impressed with the passion Phil and Luke have for teaching Chinese. 
Not only have they researched and assembled a well-structured course, but they show care and attention to individual concerns and questions. I've been studying Chinese for quite a while through online and language exchange partners. Along the way, I picked up some bad pronunciation habits, <laughs> haven't we all? The pronunciation course was fantastic with the lessons, ebooks, and Annie. My problem is this. With respect to the character course and memory palace method, I am already very sure of the pronunciation tones and meanings of many of the words. How do I integrate? So two questions. One, how do I integrate what I already know with new words in my memory palace? And two, I find it hard to justify, maybe not the right word, the investment in time in creating sets, scenes, props, and actors. This is not a criticism of the course in any way, but my own internal struggle. Any thoughts or suggestions? So, and also under that, uh, Fred uh, put a bunch of resources, and I'll talk about that in a second, but I first want to address these two questions. Now, first of all, back in May, uh, when I was back visiting my sister in the States, I wrote this article about called How Should Intermediate Level Students Learn Mandarin Online? And I've linked to that article in the show notes. If you are interested in using the Mandarin Blueprint method, but you already have a basis of knowledge, so you already have some level of intermediate skill, you would classify yourself as an intermediate student. This article will tell you exactly what to do. If you've ever looked back at something you've done in the past and gone, oh, I've actually did a pretty good job with that. I, I forgot that I wrote all of these different um, uh, sort of techniques for how you can go through the Mandarin Blueprint method as an intermediate learner, but it really goes into all the details necessary to understand how you should handle it because the system, the mnemonic system, requires you to build a toolbox. You could think of it like you need to build a toolbox of mnemonic devices. So you have the mnemonic device of a bunch of faces to represent pinyin initials, a bunch of places to represent 13 uh, pinyin finals, and then uh, a number of objects to represent the Chinese character components. So that toolbox needs to be applicable to any new character you learn. So if you're an intermediate student, by definition, you have more characters to learn, but you've learned several already. So you still need the toolbox for the future characters, but the actual characters that are in the course may be the characters you already know. Now, luckily with this new course expansion, I guarantee you if you're classified as an intermediate student, there are characters in the course that you haven't learned yet. So it is well worth building up your toolbox. And in this article, one of the things that I did at the end was run through an actual calculation of the extra time you need to spend to build this toolbox versus the time saved as a result of doing so. So if you imagine that you have a mnemonic toolbox built so that you can learn a character. You're going to learn a character way faster than you would without it. So uh, the analogy I like to give is that mnemonics are so much more effective at helping you remember something than just rote memorization or trying to remember things through, I don't know, other means that it's like having a power tool compared to just a bunch of hand tools. So if you were to walk into uh, a room or I guess, uh, let's say a construction site, and there's two plots of land to start building a house. And one plot has in front of it a table with a set of hand tools, you know, screwdriver, hammer, whatever. Well, that person who's going to build that house can start right away because they don't have to do anything else other than pick up the tools and start building. But it's going to be kind of slow going. Now, in your case, imagine that you have a big set of power tools and so you could theoretically go a lot faster, but the power tools aren't yet assembled. So you're going to have to read the instruction manual and figure out how to assemble these power tools. Well, 
that time spent, spending uh, building up the power tools, that's that anxiety that Fred is talking about. Fred said, you know, uh, that he's having an internal struggle of it finding hard to justify the investment in time for creating sets, scenes, props, and actors. Well, that's reading the instruction manual and figuring out the power tools, how to put them together. Because while you're doing that, that person who's got the hand tools, well, they're already making some progress. And you're like, oh, I'm falling behind. But we all know that as soon as you do get the power tools set up, you're going to catch up and surpass the person using the hand tools really quickly. So your mnemonic toolbox is precisely the thing that makes you learn quickly. And then the other aspect of the justification is how many characters overall do you need to learn? Well, to be able to read novels and read the newspaper, you need to learn at least 3,000 characters. So that means the amount of time it takes to learn one character really adds up if you multiply it out to 3,000 characters. So you imagine, let's say Fred already knows 1,000 characters, right? Well, that means there's 2,000 characters to go. And so how long does it take to learn each character? Well, through rote memorization, and this is what I did at the end of the, uh, the, end of the article, I did a calculation to say, okay, how much, does, how much time does it take to learn a character via the Mandarin Blueprint method and the Hanzi movie method versus the, like a, a, um, an alternate mnemonic method that's a little bit less detailed or a traditional method. And the conclusion I came to is that the total time spent learning 3,000 characters for the Hunza movie method, it's about, uh, let's see, the, the ultimate conclusion I came to, including reviews and including possible forgetting characters and relearning, I came to this conclusion. To learn 3,000 characters using the Hunza movie method, it takes about 310 hours. 452 hours using an alternative mnemonic method that doesn't include pronunciation. And then a traditional method would take 607.5 hours, which is 297.25 hours slower than the Hunza movie method. And I also came to the conclusion based on, you know, some reasonable math. You can take a look at the article to see more details. But I took came to the conclusion that the extra time you need to spend to learn the uh, actors, sets, and props, the stuff that Fred is saying he's concerned about, that extra time takes about 10 hours, approximately. It's about 10 hours of your time. So it's 297.25 hours faster to do the Hunza movie method to learn 3,000 characters, and it only takes an extra 10 hours to learn the uh, toolbox, as it were. So I hope that that helps alleviate your anxiety, Fred, and I would highly recommend that you read the uh, article. And then the other thing I do in the article is I tell you, okay, here's how you determine whether or not you can skip a lesson in the Mandarin Blueprint method because you already know the character and what lessons never to skip. So I also give that explanation too. Again, that is linked below. This is the uh, how to learn Mandarin online as an intermediate student article. Very well worth a read. It takes probably maybe 15 minutes to read through the whole thing. And, uh, Hopefully that will answer your questions. Now, Fred also put in uh, this uh, comment in the Mandarin Blueprint community. He said, uh, may I offer some resources that I found helpful to my individual learning before I discovered this course? He mentions, of course, Yo-Yo Chinese, a great online course for uh, learning uh, Chinese. It's quite different from our course. So, you know, Yo-Yo's course would be is really great for, um, you know, circumstantial Chinese that's spoken in, you know, she'll go into a house 
for an intermediate student and be like, okay, here's the types of things we would actually say to each other using Mandarin, because uh, she's Chinese, uh, using Mandarin if we were on, say, Spring Festival holiday or how we would greet each other and, you know, maybe some things that are a little bit more colloquial and not so much textbook based. And so we really support people checking out Yo-Yo Chinese because she doesn't really do what we do. We, she doesn't do a mnemonic memory palace for learning characters really quickly that integrates into words and sentences and stories and all of that. So Mandarin Blueprint could be like your foundational jumping off point. You could use Yo-Yo Chinese for, uh, you know, getting some uh, high-level black belts type of spoken Chinese. And uh, also we had a, a Ken, uh, Ken, I believe Morgan, from our previous case study, which I believe was podcast number 52. He talked about, he kind of compared and contrasted uh, Mandarin Blueprint Method and Yo-Yo Chinese there. And then next we had Fred suggest imandarinpod.com. The audio and hands of text are free, but for a yearly, not expensive subscription, you get PDF versions and the text of the lesson. Uh, I haven't seen that, but that sounds great. Um, mandarincorner.org, 90, 90% free with great videos, word lists, grammar, etc. Um, good if you want to hear street-level Chinese dialogue. Awesome. Last but not least, vicky.com, Chinese movies with English and Mandarin subtitles. Some have learning mode, which allows pausing the video to see the definition of words. Wow, that sounds fantastic. I've never used it before, but that's a great idea. I mean, I do think it would be almost better if there weren't the English subtitles, but hey, English subtitles are a nice little crutch to make you feel like, okay, at least I understand a little bit what's going on uh, when you're at those earlier stages. So thanks so much for that submission, Fred. Hope that you find that article that I linked below very helpful. And um, as for the suggestions you made, that's all great stuff. And everybody, you can check out the links to those uh, suggestions in the show notes. Next, we had an introduction to the Mandarin Blueprint community from Camille Rondeau. She says he or she, actually, I think it, I mean, Camille is normally a, a girl's name, but it's spelled C-A-M-I-L-L-E. So maybe it's a a fella? I'm not sure. Find out. Hello. I'm reading other people's introductions and everybody seems to have a good, serious reason to want to learn Mandarin and I'm afraid I don't have any. Well, maybe you'll get a laugh at how I ended up here. I've always liked languages and the whole process of learning to read, write, and speak. I know a few European languages, but I never learned anything from outside the Western Hemisphere. Or the Western Sphere, because I guess part of Europe is in the Eastern Hemisphere. I realized I was really craving the challenge when I started talking other languages in my dreams. <laughs> that, yeah, that is a good feeling when you start to realize I'm speaking another language in my dreams. So I started thinking that I could start something new on top of my busy science student schedule, just to put my mind to something else. Why Mandarin? Here's the crazy part. So I met a really cute guy who studied Chinese in university and taught English in Beijing for a while. Okay, all right, so... Uh, cool. He lives far away at the moment, and we won't be together before at least another six months. We're constantly talking about our love of language, but he'd never expect me to be able to share in his passion for Mandarin. I want to learn in secret while we're living apart, and then knock his socks off. <laughs> How far do you think I can get? And will you come, will you help me find the best plan slash prank setting to reveal my new skill when the time comes. Anyway, I'm absolutely loving it so far. Luke is a great teacher. Uh, yeah, Luke is a great teacher. So, all right. So, first of all, I love this. This is an awesome reason to start to learn Mandarin because it's very focused on an individual person. Like, when you have an individual person who's motivating you, that's just... It, 
that is one of the most powerful motivations that we don't really talk about very much. Uh, wanting to impress somebody, wanting to, now, I mean, obviously the risk is that if the relationship changes in some way, theoretically that, that, um, you know, motivation could, could, you know, have the rug pulled out from under it. But at the same time, I mean, it's really visceral when you want to, uh, especially when there's romance potentially involved and like, you know, Hey, he's a really cute guy. So you want to impress him. That's cool. And so that can be a super huge motivation. And then she says, how far do you think I can get? Well, you say you have, you're a busy science student. So that means you probably can't devote, um, more than maybe an hour a day. So let's see an hour a day for six months. Um, so that's about that's about 180 days, approximately a little bit more, 180 hours. So you could probably get halfway through the foundational Mandarin learning, and that'll give you a bunch of stuff that you can say. So it would certainly be enough for him to recognize that you'd put in a fair, a good bit of time. And if you were able to do two hours a day, you might be able to get through the foundational pack. And if you got through the foundational pack, then you're going to know about 80% of Chinese by frequency. So it's all about the amount of hours you can spend per day on it, and then the overall hours after that. Cool. Nice. Well, I hope that's helpful. As for the best um, plan and prank setting, oh, geez, I don't know. Um, maybe other people in the community can give that one a think and, and go up with something. That's not something I've ever considered before where I sort of like suddenly speak Chinese and surprise someone. Never done that before. That would be kind of cool, though. Next, we're going to talk about the prop suggestions that came in this week. And as a reminder, there's always a link to what we're what the heck we're talking about below about props in the show notes. And so props are essentially the object representation of a Chinese character component. It's a mnemonic device to help you remember a Chinese character component quickly so that you can memorize a Chinese character more quickly. And so people always give their uh, recommendations if they haven't seen it in our recommendations, that is from Luke and I or other members on the course. So the first one is the pick a prop for Ma, which is the character itself means horse. And so Jonathan Pritchard has suggested uh, the Trojan horse. And sure, yeah, absolutely. We didn't think of that when we originally came up with the idea, but sure, yeah, Trojan horse is perfect. It's the perfect uh, prop to fit in there. River Nixon on pick a prop. And this is, this is a prop that doesn't have a pronunciation by itself, but it's the left side of the character xing, which means uh, to walk or to move, or it can also mean like, okay, no problem, xing. And uh, it is essentially the person component with one extra stroke above it. And so we originally said, you know, the person component is Chuck Norris. Why not have the one with the little extra stroke on top be Bruce Lee? Because Bruce Lee defeated Chuck Norris in a uh, famous martial arts uh, uh, battle. <laughs> and uh, River Nixon said, I chose Ron Burgundy, the anchorman, to be uh, the person component as opposed to Chuck Norris. And decided to go with Simon Pegg. Uh, forgot his character name he played in Hot Fuzz for the top uh, the for this particular component. And I remember Hot Fuzz is a great movie. And uh, Simon Pegg does that whole long, um, you know, he's just a, he's a great character in Hot Fuzz. If you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, it's um, a fantastic movie. It was from a series of movies by that uh, director who also did. Um, the uh, Baby Driver movie, and I'm forgetting his name, just his name is escaping me at the moment. There's probably people listening who are going, it's this guy, but I've forgotten at the moment. But yeah, that's a great movie, Hot Fuzz. 
River Nixon on pick a prop for Jin. So this is the left side component of the character that is, it means metal or gold. And she says, the golden ticket is a great suggestion. I'm going to use it, thanks. And I would agree that the golden ticket is a great suggestion. The golden ticket from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or the book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And yeah, because that, if you, that's so much, there's so much emotion packed in that particular prop, right? Because you've got the chocolate bar and in the story everybody's trying to find these five golden tickets and so if you open a chocolate bar and there's a golden ticket inside it's like a huge emotional moment where you go oh my gosh this is it this is the actual ticket i found it it's this is the you know uh unlikely thing to happen you can imagine when that happens to charlie in the story it was a hugely exciting moment and it was a chance to maybe somehow get get his family out of poverty and you know so it was a great emotional scene and therefore that object despite just being a collection of fictional atoms <laughs> it carries with it all this emotional content so if anybody ever tries to tell you that an object is not memorable uh, they're they're failing to understand the emotional context that our brains naturally add to any given object Next, Chris on pick a prop for Ben. I can't believe I didn't think of this one. Yin and Yang for him, half black, half white. Of course, that's exactly what it is because Ben means half. So the yin-yang symbol is perfect for that. I can't believe we didn't think of that to begin with. Good job, Chris. Jonathan Pritchard on pick a prop for E, which is the this particular uh, character is, it's got a few different, meanings but one of the meanings is the second heavenly stem there's these things called the heavenly stems in the chinese character learning system they'll put this uh, on a test if you got a b uh, so it's like it has a number of different usages there it's all very formal but you mostly learn this character because it is a component in a lot of other uh, more complicated and more common characters because it's quite simple it's just it's actually considered to be one stroke and uh, he says, I'm using a swan because it's already the second placeholder in my narrative timeline in my memory palace for playing cards. It's deeply connected to number two, and that's a fortunate coincidence. That happens sometimes with this method where you'll have this these coincidental uh, connections. And whenever that happens, it's just like sweet. You just have a simple memory connection right off the bat that just pops into your head. Rebecca Weeble on pick a prop for the – we call this loser – uh, because it's essentially the person component, but it's like as if they were sitting on or lying on their stomachs or like our thought was, oh, lying in your stomach on the couch, being lazy, not doing anything, you know, it's kind of like a loser. And you can imagine how much people as a loser. But she says, I, uh, she says, I couldn't bring myself to use a person as a loser. My archaeologist son said it looked like an ads, A-D-Z-E, hmm, an ads, or more colloquially, a grubber. So now at high noon, Woody throws an ads at the cross. Sure. That's, and she's referring to how this character is used uh, in the, um, how this component is used in the character, which means noon. So uh, sure. Interesting, interesting enough. I don't know what an ads is or if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but sounds like it must look like this component. Chris on pick a prop for Horsehead. He points out that the way that this prop is, it's just a horizontal line followed by a vertical line. Uh, it is also the move that a knight or horse does in chess. And so that's how I'll remember it. So, yeah, you can imagine the chess piece of the knight. And, of course, make it bigger, make it stand out, make it somewhat animated so that you can rem remember it more easily. 
Then Abigail, and pick a prop for Tien, which is the character that means sky or day. She says the character Sky from Mamma Mia. Simple, simple connection there. And these types of connections, sometimes you just need to let your brain go Tien, that means sky. Who do I know named sky? What things are related to sky? Oh, yeah, sky from Mamma Mia. Just let your brain naturally come up with whatever was going to, uh, just, you can relax is the point. You don't have to always like think really hard about these things. Sometimes it just is waiting for you to let it be, you know. All right. Only one actor suggestion this week from Dev Chen on casting call for Yu. Uh, He went with Yuan Kim, a South Korean former competitive figure skater. She is the 2010 Olympic champion and 2014 silver medalist in ladies singles, the 2009 and 2013 world champion. So it sounds like Dev is very familiar with Yuan Kim. And so since it's Yuan Kim and Yu, close enough in the sound. So that works perfectly. All right, next we're going to move to the movies. The movies this week. This is when we put all the mnemonic things together. We have the actors, set, props, uh, all put into a room, and then they make a scene that portrays the meaning of the character. So the first one we have here is the make a movie for xiang. Xiang is the meaning of sweet or fragrant or, you know, wonderful smelling you know, xiang shui. Xiang shui is perfume or cologne. So there's like fragrant water, perfume or cologne, or fragrant li- fragrant liquid. Okay. So reviewing this this script, a silly song verse came to my mind, and it's so addicting that I added it to my script. It's the children's song, The Farmer in the Dell. But I use it as the farmer on the sun, the farmer on the sun. Hi-ho, the dairy-o, the farmer on the sun. And that's because the top component is the uh, char- uh, character for standing grain or like, you know, some kind of grain in a field. And the bottom component is sun. So she probably used a farmer to represent the standing grain component and then the sun obviously for the bottom. And then we can assume that she's got her XI female actor and the in her ANG set outside the entrance and when you can connect it to a song like that, it's uh, perfect. So, like, that, songs are so good for helping you remember uh, certain mnemonic things because it's like sound is something that allows you to not even have to bother with your physical uh, – with your – sorry, with your visual uh, creativity, even if it is – I don't even think it's all that creative. But still, um, it's, it's even easier in my opinion. Ellery Hall on Make a Movie for May. This character means every. The soundtrack to this is definitely Every Breath You Take by Sting, or is it the police? I have my loser singing it to my mom while dancing around her. Super creepy and subsequently memorable. Right, because this character means every. Every Breath You Take represents that. The loser is the top component and the mother is the bottom component. So I have my loser singing it around my mom while dancing around her. Yeah, and, you know, that's a great point, Ellery, how... When something is creepy or weird, that doesn't mean it's not memorable. Like, just because something is unpleasant or painful or otherwise, you know, something that you don't really like doesn't make it it not memorable. As a matter of fact, those things are often quite even more memorable because, you know, you don't want to be in that situation again. The point of memory is to get you out of situations that, you know, in the past you dealt with. Hey, avoid this creep because they're being creepy. 
if you didn't remember that stuff, it would not play to your advantage. So memory, again, is not necessarily only tied to positive things. Rebecca Weeble on Make a Movie for Xiao. So this character has a number of different uh, meanings, but one of them is just to call out for or to yell. And she says, my sister is in the bathroom floating a toy sailboat in the bath. Okay, so that, okay, out of nowhere, the Cheshire cat appears on the left rim of the bath. In panic, she screams out my name. So we must have, let's see, we've got a floating toy sailboat in the bath. So that's either the left side component or the right side component. And then we have the Cheshire cat appearing on the left rim of the bath. Bath. So I'm wondering if maybe the Cheshire Cat is the her representation of Co, because I think that the Cheshire Cat in Alice in Wonderland first appears as just a mouth, so that that makes sense. And then the toy sailboat is the right side component for her. I can see that. Okay, cool. And then uh, so let's see here. My sister, sister's probably her J.I. actress in the bathroom of the A.O. set. So that's all covered. Um, Right, so she screams, and that's the meaning of the character. That's a very simple scene, and so if that's memorable, then that's fantastic, right? So the simpler the scene, and if you do actually remember it, the better. Now, what's lovely about Anki is that Anki will tell Rebecca whether or not that was actually too simple a scene or not. So if she, if tomorrow she can't remember, well, why was she screaming? And you can't remember this because that's the meaning of the character? And then you can just edit the scene a little bit to make it more memorable. Next, we have Chad Wrestler on Make a Movie for Fan. And so, first of all, Chad has submitted so many movies over the, over the um, last several months. So, glad to see you're doing well and all the way to character, uh, the character Fan. Awesome. So, his location is his grandma's house in the backyard. That's the A-N uh, set for Grandma and the backyard for Fourth Tone. The actor is Phil Crimmins. Oh, my God. But that's because... F and PH, the PH sound at the beginning of my name is similar to the F sound. It is exactly the F sound, it's just spelled PH. And so I'm Chad's actor for F. And the props are a menu on the left, because that's related to food, and then a giant coin on the right, because fan means to uh, flip or, or turn around. And of course, you flip a coin, so it makes perfect sense. There's connections that are very clear on every level of this. I'm hanging out at my grandma's house in the backyard when Phil Crimmins drops by. He's visiting from China and has stopped by to tell me of an investment opportunity. This doesn't sound like me, but, uh, you know, hey. <laughs> uh, he tells me he can't lose with this endeavor. Yeah, you can't lose with this endeavor. And in front of me sets a menu and a giant coin that looks like a 50-cent piece. The menu has all different kinds of rice dishes on Rice dishes, and on the front it says, Phil's Rice Mobile. <laughs> he tells me that this is his new rice truck, and he has several good locations where he can park it and make a lot of money selling rice, only 50 cents per bowl. I tell him I'm strapped for cash as I had to pay for my Mandarin Blueprint subscription. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not that expensive. Consider the uh, value you're getting for these, uh, you know, several thousand characters. Um, but yeah, that's a great, great scene. Very memorable. All the uh, elements of the scene are there. And this is the type of thing, you know, I don't even worry about Chad knowing how to put all of the elements of the scene together. You know, it seems complicated when you first start looking at this method, but it's like seven steps. And seven steps is complicated at first until you've done it a number of times. And then seven steps is just like beep, 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 done. You know, you just move through the different uh, aspects of the uh, 
the process. Okay, so that's it for the movie. So we're going to move on to a pronunciation question from Camille Rondeau on problem initial X and simple final I. So this is from Pronunciation Mastery. I find these three videos about problem initials a bit confusing. Luke doesn't explain them as well as the other sounds. Okay, all right, that's good feedback to get. We learned about J-I and G-E and phrase structure, and that's nice, but there's a little bit about the actual pronunciation difference between ti, ti, and si, as one would have expected from the video titles. Good thing there's a PDF, but I would have liked to spend more time on it with Luke. Okay, well, the main way you can think of the difference between these three is that si is like a, a tire deflating. You put your tongue against the back of your bottom teeth, as always, uh, for these three uh, initials. That's the thing they share, is that your, your tongue is against the back of your bottom teeth. So, ti, ti, si, all of these, that's where your tongue is. Now, the difference is just in the aspiration and the attack. So, you have si has no attack. It's just, and it is aspirated. Si, that means there's air coming out of your mouth, but it's just a deflating tire of a direct sound right from the beginning. And like, it sounds sometimes to people like sh, but when you say sh in English, it's like sh, and your tongue is up. This is sh, with your tongue down. Si, si, but there's no real attack to it. And then ti is heavily aspirated. That's qi. Ti, ti. It's like a, that, sound, if you imagine that a tire is fully um, inflated, and then you suddenly puncture it and you get that ti, ti, right? Whereas si is like that, it's just the air coming out of the tire, just not the initial attack of it, just that si. Whereas the QI is like a ti, ti, very aspirated, very strong, kind of like TCH, but with your tongue against the back of your bottom teeth. And then ti, ti is kind of in between. T, T, and it is the hardest of the three, I think. J-I is probably the hardest of the three uh, because it's kind of right in between those two, but it's quite distinct from Xi because Xi is just pure, um, it's just pure deflating tire sound, air escaping from your mouth type of sound. T does at least have a, an attack to it. It's just less intense than T, 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 T. G, G. So I hope that that little extra bit of time on that one, uh, Camille, is uh, what you were looking for. And yes, we do have those PDFs as well. Finally, we have some miscellaneous questions that have come in that are just general questions or comments uh, from the week. Uh, Ija on Vocab Unlocked from Xian. So she's in level 37 at this point. And she said, she says, aw, no love for Hai Xian. And so this is a good... Uh, comment for us to get because hai xian means seafood and uh it's it's not what you might expect for you might expect it to be for example like hai tai maybe which would mean like uh hai sea and then you might expect it to be tai which means a cooked dish but it's not that it's hai xian so like sea fresh and so like that ended up becoming the name for seafood and it's not one of the vocab unlocked words though. And the reason is because the uh, the vocab unlocked is based on how frequent the word is. And you know, seafood is one of those things that, yeah, you should definitely know, but it's it doesn't necessarily come up all that frequently. And the reason why I say it's good that Egypt pointed this out is that our frequency lexicon, where we come up with our uh, word lists, is 
it does require sometimes a human eye to look at the look at the words and go, okay, even though Haixian is below our limit for what is considered high enough frequency, we should probably include it because, hey, it's just one of those things you should know. You should know the different types of food groups, and one of them is seafood, and so you should probably know that. And so we, we didn't catch that one because, you know, we had a we tried to be objective about it. We tried to be like, okay, if this word didn't occur more than 500,000 times in this uh, billion plus character uh, lexicon, then we consider it not frequent enough for you to learn an inter intermediate level. But in this case, I think we probably should add Hai Xian to the list. So thanks for that suggestion, Ija. Okay, Antonio Lima on pick a prop for E, razor blade cigars and lead pipes. He says, so it seems that I am in the 2% of the population that has aphantasia, so currently unable to see anything in my mind's eye. So the question is, can I still use this method if unable to visualize anything? And this is a, you know, uh, a good question. Aphantasia is mind's eye blindness. So it was the first time I heard about this, it was very like strange. You're like, oh, wow, this is a condition that people have. And unfortunately it is. The condition is where if I say to you, close your eyes and imagine an apple, you just, you can't. And uh, the only suggestion I can say for Antonio is that, A, it is very possible that the Mandarin Blue Rip method is therefore not for you. It's, it's you know, it's just one of those things where it relies on the visual um, not being blind in the mind's eye. However, the, the reason why I hesitate to say it's definitely not for you is because there are other types of mnemonic devices. So one of them is just sound-based. And people who have visual aphantasia don't have the sound problem. So I could say, you know, xi um, gai means uh, ni. And xi ni, it's kind of close. And then the gai uh, is, means cover. So you go gai. Well, that maybe there's a gai covering your knee or something, right? And so xi gai, that's the word for knee. And I just came up with a mnemonic device off the top of my head that was entirely based on sound. But it's still, you know, without any visuals, I can see it being a little bit tough. And so if this is not the the course for you, I would totally understand. Aphantasia makes our course definitely a bit tougher. But just bear in mind that there are other types of mnemonics you could use, but it's a bit too complicated for me to imagine how you would apply it to every single element of it because so many of the elements are based on seeing a face, being imagining yourself in a place, uh, seeing an object in your mind's eye. And so I would say, yeah, that's my response to uh, your situation if you have aphantasia. Kathleen Gans on Anki Decks Inside, level 25 complete. I wanted to finish picking my actors, but have only found the first 52 of 55 cards. After level 24, there are no more casting calls. Are we not using Pu, Nu, and Lu? The answer, Kathleen, is that in the first 36 levels, no characters come up that use those particular initials. Uh, just like everything, there are some initials that get used all the time. Like, for example, E. <laughs> That's a really, really common one. Uh, Yi, fourth tone, E, is the most common pronunciation in the language, followed by sh. And so those get used all the time. And then some initials barely get used at all. So you're going to have all of these come up in the next uh, iteration of the in the lower intermediate section. So levels 37 through 57, they're all going to come up and there's going to be casting calls for those. Um, you know, pool, for example, PU. There are no finals that ever get combined with that particular particular initial. There's no puan or or puan or anything like that. There's only pu. So the most common character that uses that is 
the, the character for universal, which leads to the word 普通话. 普通话, which means Mandarin. Uh, specifically Mandarin as opposed to Chinese in general. You can also just say 中文 or 汉语, but those just mean Chinese. Like 中文 is like Chinese literature and the language, and then 汉语 is a little bit more just like the spoken language of the language of the Han, the Han people. And then you've got 普通话, which literally means universal uh, talk. You know, the universal speech. So that's the language that unifies the country. So Putonghua is Mandarin. And so uh, that character, though, is not frequent enough to be in the foundational pack. So uh, it comes up in the lower intermediate pack. Kenneth Morgan on It's a Word for Thai. Uh, he asks, is Zhuozhe basically the same as Zai Zhuo? Yes. <laughs> this is the simple answer to that one. There are three characters you can use to indicate presently happening. One of them is zhe, and that comes after any verb. So, 我站着, I am standing. 我站着,我说着话, as soon as I finish saying it, I'm no longer, it's no longer true, but I, I'm currently speaking. Or I could say, 我在站, or 我在说话. Those are also indicating present tense. I could, I could say, 我在站着, that's fine too. I could say, 我在站着, and n, if you throw n at the end, at the very end of the sentence. So the, their positioning is all different, but you can use any of them and you can use them in any combination. So, 在 comes before the verb, 就 comes after the verb, and n comes at the end of the sentence. And all of them indicate presently happening. Now, the one that can be kind of confusing if you only use it by itself is n because n has a couple of other functions that are not indicating present tense, but generally speaking, all three of them you could use by themselves, you could use two of them, or you could use all three of them, and they all indicate happening right now. So what I would just recommend is just know that and then keep reading. Know that is true and then keep reading the content and you'll see uh, there's all sorts of combinations of it that happen and there's no like definite right or wrong about it. David Chang on simple final U introduction with U. Is there a good way to watch these on my phone without an internet connection? I'd love to be able to watch the videos while riding the subway, but reception is only intermittent in the tunnels. I understand. Unfortunately, there's not an easy way for us to do that and you know stay viable as a business. Because if we make all the videos downloadable, it becomes possible for somebody to kind of copy the whole thing and put it up somewhere else as theirs. And you know that would involve like a legal battle and all this stuff. And we have to put some type of prevention up there because... Unfortunately, it's just in the world today as it is, like we need to be able to charge for this for we for us to survive as a company. And if it, we make it easy for somebody to just take it, even though we're patent pending and even though we could take legal recourse about it, uh, it doesn't make it any less of a potentially company killing situation if it were to happen. In the future, if we become more financially, um, you know, successful as a business, then, and you know, we're doing fine, but like if we, if we became more financially successful, maybe we could afford to take that risk. Uh, but at the moment, it's not a risk we can take. So sorry, uh, I wish we could, but at the moment, uh, only online access. Tyler Hikita on tutorial, MB special EPUB files for practicing uh, opinion finals. Yeah, so this is the question about like the EPUB readers and uh, apologize for uh, the sudden, I mean, it's, it's kind of Windows, uh, Microsoft's fault. They suddenly made Microsoft Edge unavailable. And so we're going to work on getting that, uh, the new ones to you. Um, as I say, I'll put the links to the new ones uh, below. 
in the show notes. Abigail, a new vocabulary unlocked, yinwei. In the Anki card for yinwei wo wan sheng, ba dian cai xia ban, tamen deng bu liao wo hui jia qu chi fan. Both pronunciations sound like liao for le, which is the, character, the simple character that's a particle. It's usually pronounced le, but we haven't learned this meaning of le yet. So yeah, so deng bu liao, this bu liao, verb bu liao means can't be completed. So like deng bu liao. They are unable to uh, wait for me to come home. And so this comes back to when we taught you the character, we taught you the most common pronunciation, but it's a So means multiple sound. means multiple sound character. So that means there's more than one pronunciation for this character. And the second pronunciation, you'll see a lot after either... De liao or bu liao. So it's in that structure of verb de something or verb bu something, which is an infix. Infixes mean the verb can be done or the verb can't be done. And liao is sort of the final particle in that uh, structure. So deng bu liao uh, means cannot wait for that. And so that's shou uh, bu liao is another one that's really common. Shou bu liao means like I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. And so the, this will come up a fair bit, but our reckoning about it is that you'll be able to hear that there's the speaker is saying liao, and we don't want to overcomplicate things when you first learn a character. When you first learn a character, you should learn its primary uh, pronunciation. And l comes up in almost every, not literally every sentence, but it comes up in almost every paragraph of text you'll ever see is l being pronounced as l E, fifth tone. And it comes up as liao fairly frequently, but not nearly as frequently as the first. So when we teach you the character, we're going to teach you the most common uh, pronunciation first and let you naturally figure out the second pronunciation through context later. So hopefully that uh, answers the question and explains to you why we didn't uh, specifically go into that. So we don't want to overburden you when you're first learning something, you know. Okay. Aaron Ginsberg on Make a Movie for Fay. The Three Stooges prop, I only remember San, no prop assigned. I might have missed it in later lessons, though. In any case, would you consider this to be Three Stooges broken into two or two separate props? So it's one prop, and I realized that we had actually made this. Oh, yeah, so you're saying broken into two because it gets cut in the middle. Yeah, you could do that. You could imagine <laughs> the middle of the Three uh, Stooges being cut in half. That'd be kind of <laughs> gruesome, but uh, also... Uh, kind of funny, and because uh, you can just always make that stuff like claymation or non-gory if you if you don't want to uh, have it be too gruesome. And then, uh, so yeah, the the reason why it wasn't a uh, prop is because we originally had said that you don't need to pick a prop for Sen, but then later we realized we could have Sen be the a prop in certain characters, and it's um, but it's so easy to pick, so I think you're going to be fine there, um, Aaron. So. I would say, yeah, you could cut them in half. That'd be kind of funny. And uh, the Three Stooges are kind of uh, physical humor anyway, so it's it should be fine. Kenneth Morgan on New Vocabulary Unlocked for Shema. If I'm not mistaken, we haven't learned gan, meaning to do, only gan, meaning dry. It actually was in the gan, it's a word uh, lesson back in the very beginning that gan can be both gan is in to do something, like gan gongzuo, like do work, or it can be gan is in dry, and so it's an adjective usage, it's a um, verb usage, and it's another duo yin zi, a 
multiple sound character. About 20% of characters are Yinzi. And as it happens, Gan was the first, one of the first words that you learned that wasn't just a number. And it happens to be a character where it has a secondary pronunciation that is also very frequent. Gan, to do. And it can also, Gan can has a few different meanings. One of them is a rather dirty word meaning to like, to do. You guys can interpret that as you wish. Um, but uh, it can usually, like you could say, ma means like, what are you up to? And like, what are you doing? Right? And so uh, that's a secondary pronunciation of it. It's a secondary meaning of it, but it is quite common. It was in there, but, you know, that was an early part of the course, so don't blame me for not remembering that, uh, Kenneth. Next, Abigail on new, uh, new vocabulary unlocked for Baitian. She says, how can we tell that is past tense? Couldn't it mean... I have a little stomach pain during the day. Uh, the answer is that, uh, yes, technically it could mean that. It's just less likely to mean that in context. So this is an example where a sentence by itself may not be providing you quite enough context to know the tense. Chinese can be a little bit like unclear on the tenses because there's larger context at play usually when you're speaking. So if I said the word, the sentence, what I'm saying there is like, it, it depends on the context of what I'm talking about. Most of the time, I'm, what I'm saying is that today during the day, my stomach was in pain a little bit. But I, I suppose it's possible that I'm just a person whose stomach always hurts every day and specifically during the day. It's possible, but it seems a lot less likely. So when we're translating it, it's like, okay, the context for this is almost definitely a conversation between two people in the evening where the one person says to another that during the day they were their stomach hurt a little bit. Um, but uh, it is technically possible that they could be saying, I just have a condition, which is just that during the day only, my stomach hurts. But we figured that was not very likely. Now, you would know this from larger context. So if you saw the conversation between two people when they were saying these things, then you'd likely be able to figure that out just through the context of the dialogue as opposed to the context of just the sentence in isolation. Jean Clayton on Annie Lao Shu Review Simple Final A. Oh, yeah, she was just saying that Microsoft Edge is no longer available. Same thing. So, yeah, this happened this week. Microsoft Edge became unavailable. As I say, those three solutions that our developers helped us find, uh, I'll put the links to them below. Camille on Annie Lao Shu uh, Simple Final E. Is it just me or is sound quality not as good for Annie's videos so far? The initials sound weird. Uh, I don't know. I, I not. I, I can say that she was a little bit further away from the mic than we wanted her to be. So maybe it's just that. But I think it should be, uh, you know, not too big of a difference. And remember, you have her recordings in all of the uh, EPUB files and in the Anki flashcards. Michael Rochford on bonus, the language learning tripod part three time. He says... I'm really excited about my decision to learn Mandarin. My wife thinks I'm nuts, and she is really tired of the Chinese radio and TV shows that I listen to nonstop. A funny thing has started happening, though. Out of the blue, I started noticing the different tones being spoken on the radio, and when I understood a single word for the first time, I was elated. I haven't got to the point where I'm bored because something new clicks for me every day. Uh, yeah, right, so you haven't gotten to the point where you're bored because something new clicks for you every day. I'm using the slow and steady approach because I want to really learn. It is so, so different than when I had to take a year of language in college that I barely made it through and never learned a doggone thing. Well, yeah, sure. The, the university curriculums, I mean, can we just 
get rid of them? Like, we have online learning now. It's like, why are we still doing this brick-and-mortar, antiquated legacy system for learning? It's not necessary anymore. We have the technology. So, <laughs> you know, use Mandarin Blueprint. Use things like Mandarin Blueprint. You'll learn much faster. I will say this, though. Be careful about that. I want to take it slow and really learn everything. It's not a bad attitude. Of course, it's a great attitude. But it is possible to get too analytical because remember, um, language is an intuitive process. So uh, when you're speaking or when I'm recording a podcast, I am not thinking about the... I'm not thinking about what I'm about to say before I say it. It just kind of comes up. I sort of am discovering it as I'm saying it, which tells you that it is not a um, – uh, there's the two systems, system one and system two thinking. Uh, I forget which one is which. But system one – let's say system one is intuitive thinking. System two is logical thinking. System two is like think about it, come to a conclusion, analyze prefrontal cortex, you know, human being only type of thinking. And then system one is like you're driving your car and a dog jumps out in the road and you hit the brake. You didn't consciously choose to do that. It's an intuitive, instinctual reaction. And language fits in more with uh, doing it right anyway, ends up becoming system one thinking. Now, you could say the process of learning is the process of turning system two thinking into system one thinking. So you go from not knowing it at all, so you have to work hard and learn, and then that turns it into something that is natural and that you don't have to think about. So like a golfer does loads and loads of golf swings until they don't even have to think about it, just they do it, they do it perfectly every time because they've turned that system two into system one. But it's important to remember that it's, it's very easy to overanalyze language because unlike something like an academic subject like physics, you want to get it to the point where you don't have to think about it at all. It, you just want to speak and Chinese comes out. And so that's the ultimate goal. So just bear that in mind as you go forward that if you don't totally understand something, it's actually okay because you will have plenty of opportunities to understand it in the future. When you get too analytical, you tend to waste time is the answer because like suppose you're reading a text and you go, I don't know what that word means. So I go to look it up in the dictionary. Okay. Well, that's time that you're not continuing to read. Right. And so you go look it up in the dictionary and sure, you learn it, you figure it out and you learn in that moment. But what if it turns out that that, that word came up three more times over the next two pages? Well, you missed your chance to get it through pure context because you went and learned it in the dictionary. And sure, you're going to solidify your knowledge there. But don't forget that you're sacrificing all that reading time to pick up your phone and look in the dictionary. That's time you didn't spend just continuing to read. So a lot of times you just want to go, eh, I don't really get that one, but I'm going to continue anyway. Final comment for today, we have Sanja Krajnovic on You Did It, which is the final uh, lesson in pronunciation mastery. Sanja says, I love you guys. I love how you cover everything and how I can actually learn properly. You go into details. You give us fun facts. Your ways of explaining are brilliant. You're amazing. Your personalities are the best. Aw. I enjoy coming here every day and learning. Wow, that's fantastic. I love teachers that care and that are passionate about what they teach. It makes me motivated and inspired. Thank you so much. You are extraordinary. P.S. Thank you for the ending of Lesson 9, Part 7. I laughed so hard. One more reason that I love you too. You are genuine in being yourselves. Well, 
That's uh, that's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that, Sanja. And, you know, hey, we are passionate about it. It's all we're doing. <laughs> I take Saturdays off and I, ha- and I have to force myself to because I know that overall I actually am more productive if I take a day off because if I don't ever take a day off, you know, you, you can't see the wood for the trees. But, yeah, I love this stuff. I work on it every day uh, other than Saturday and I just try my best to give you guys something that will – genuinely have an impact on your life because you know i don't know i could do other things with my life but like this is meaningful it matters and so i hope that you guys continue to uh thrive with your mandarin learning and we'll leave it there for today thank you so much for listening to the mandarin blueprint podcast uh mandarinblueprint.com and of course if you guys ever want to you can share our course on social media go to our facebook page and leave us a review uh you could leave a podcast review on itunes i guess I think that's a thing you can do. And if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, maybe subscribe to our channel. Hooray. So thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week.